Praise God. What a, what a privilege it is uh, to come together like this on a, on a Tuesday night from week to week. It's so good to be in God's presence. You know, there's a scripture in, in Revelation that talks about uh, the incense and the bowls, and it says it's the prayers of the saints. Think about that. That in heaven, there's going to be our prayers are in a bowl, <laughs> and it's incense before God. It's, it's a good thing. He, he loves to hear our prayers. It's funny because we think, uh, especially those of us that are parents, we think of, you know, times when our kids ask us too much, and it begins to bother us, like, stop it already. But our God's a good God, and he, he loves to hear from us, and we have that privilege. And so, praise God. I want to share a few thoughts with you tonight. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter 1. This was a, a verse uh, passage that I referenced very quickly on Sunday, but I want to go back to it tonight and, and just share a few thoughts with you. I had, had actually written down some notes, and this was, I'm looking back in my, some of my notes a way, ways back. Um, it, you know, for, with my father, the last year when he was battling with cancer, he was studying a lot about suffering and the will of God, just trying to reason with that. What does that look like? And um, I remember having some discussions with him, and one of the verses that we were looking at was James chapter 1. And uh, if you have it, why don't you read it with me? James chapter 1, if you get beginning there in verse 2, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing." I shared on Sunday from, James, uh, from Acts chapter 21 how Paul is on his way to Jerusalem and he knows that the Holy Spirit's leading him there. He believes that's the will of God for his life and yet everywhere along the way he goes, he's being prophesied over in the churches that you're going to suffer there. Think about that. Every time you go to another church, here's the, it's the same prophecy. You're, you're going to suffer, you're going to be imprisoned in Jerusalem. And so he, he's, he's being led by the Holy Spirit and the prophecies are telling him he's going to face persecution. He's walking toward the will of God, even though it's difficult. And, um, you, you know, I, I think we have to push back on this idea that so many have within Christianity that the will of God is always the path of least resistance, right? And, and if it's hard, it must not be God, or if, if there's difficulty or struggle in it, I, you know, I find the opposite to be true so often in Scripture. And so I, I was talking with a number of people after the service on Sunday and after that, and I just want to share a few more thoughts with you tonight, because here's what I know, um, that this has not been an easy season for any one of us, the last couple of years, maybe even right now. And I, I think in some way that suffering has touched or is touching every one of our lives right now. And the trials that we go through, here's the amazing thing about them, they really expose what's going on on the inside of us, right? A uh, few experiences expose our hearts like the experience of suffering. And so when trials come our way, all of a sudden, we, what's inside becomes very visible, right? To others, it becomes visible to yourself, right? I, I always thought I was a very patient person, and then I got married, and I found myself in situations where I was, man, it exposed my heart, right? And so I have to say, God, would you work on me uh, in that way? But it's amazing the different responses that we see to suffering, right? Um, some people will bow their heads in the midst of suffering and continue to bless God. Others just want to curse him and walk away. 
Some press in in prayer and others refuse to pray. So I, I can't even pray, right? In the midst of suffering, some say, man, I just got to be in God's presence and others turn their back on God and they walk away. And, and so when I look at the difference in people's responses to suffering, I wonder what is it that makes the difference, right? And I know there's so many factors involved, but the most significant factor is what we know about suffering, in the book of James, James is writing to believers who are suffering through difficulties. They're suffering through trials, and yet he calls them to suffer faithfully because of what they know, right? He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds for you know, right? Count it all joy. In other words, rejoice in the midst of suffering, right? I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm, right? Rejoicing in suffering. Why? You, you read that and, and the world would say, why in the world would you do that? Like, have you lost your mind? <laughs> and James says, rejoice because you know something about suffering that the world doesn't know. What, what did they know? What did these people that James was writing to know? Did they know the outcome? Did they know the specific good that God was working in the midst of their trials? No, but they did know that these trials, uh, they should be happening in their lives because they're producing something. And can I just say the same right now? I don't know the specific trials that are before you right now. I don't know the specific outcome. I don't know how long the trial is going to last. But James says, rejoice, not because the end is in sight, right? Sometimes we're like, oh, now I can rejoice. I see the end of this trial. He says rejoice in suffering. Rejoice. But they did know this, and it's a simple promise, but it's filled with power if we can take a hold of it tonight. For you know, here's what you know, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. The testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Three simple words. Testing produces steadfastness. Turn to your neighbor and say that out loud. Testing produces steadfastness, right? They're not three simple words. That last one is a little difficult. Steadfastness, right? Um, but if, if we can grab a hold of that reality, and I think more and more we need to, then we can meet our suffering with a radical response. It's a response of joy. That's a radical response, isn't it? Now, the Greek word there uh, for testing is dokimion, okay? Testing or uh, approved genuineness. That word is taken from, from blacksmithing. It's taken from, from metalworking. And in the same way that gold and silver are refined in the fire, so we as believers are refined by our testing and by our trials. And if you think about that image of metal in the midst of flames, isn't that often what we feel like in the midst of our suffering, right? I'm just in the midst of the fire. Suffering puts us in the fire. And, and so we don't need to make believe that the trial doesn't hurt, right? Sometimes I, I worry when Christians are like, hey, they're going through something, like, how are you doing? They're just, oh, I'm blessed, right? But really, how are you doing? It's okay. You can say it hurts. You can, you can say it stinks. That's okay, right? Because trials are like fire, and fire burns even if our faith is strong. But think about it. If our trials are a testing, then our trials are not random, and they're not pointless. I, I said that on Sunday. You know, suffering without God is just suffering, right? It just, it just stinks. But we know this, that when we're suffering and, and Christ is walking with us through our, our circumstances, it's not random, it's not pointless. We have to understand that our testing comes from a tester. And this is not just any tester, this is Jesus Christ. And he's good. And he's kind. And he's compassionate, right? Um, and here's the other thing. He knows what the flames feel like himself, right? He knows what suffering feels like because he's gone through it. 
And, and so even when we walk through the trial, even in the times where we're suffering and it feels like it's meaningless, we need to understand on that day that we're still in the good and perfect will of God. Now, sometimes you're suffering because of stupid things you've done, and you know it, right? <laughs> but other times you're walking in the will of God and the purpose of God. You're following God with all your heart, and the suffering comes, and we can be tempted to think, what did I do wrong? Right? But, but if we trust in the perfect will of God, sometimes he puts us in those difficult places. And as the flames around us seem to be getting higher, I wanted you to know you're still safe in his hands. Isaiah 43, 2, I love this verse. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. So often in the midst of suffering, we only see what the trial takes away from us, right? And I'm walking through this, and here's all the things I feel like I'm being robbed of because of the trial I'm walking through, right? We, we see what the fire is, is burning up in our lives, so to speak. But we need to understand tonight, church, that underneath the ashes, that the suffering that we're walking through is producing something Testing produces steadfastness. And, and so if we can trust God, if we can wait patiently on him, then our trials will always give us more than they can take away from us. And you might say, Pastor, well, how do I know that my trial's producing something good? How, how can I be assured of that? Like, I, I want to believe that, right? But how do I know that? Here's the thing. We know that pain is producing steadfastness, and it's not because we can always see it being produced in the process, right? In the moment, in the midst of the suffering, all we see is the pain. It's a, it's a diagnosis, right? It, it's a divorce. It's, it's loneliness. It's, it's waiting. But we know that our suffering is producing something because we see this promise in the lives of God's people again and again, right? As you look through the pages of Scripture, there's not just one Job. There's many Jobs, right? And yet if we follow their stories, we find that without fail, God is at work in their lives. James 5.11 says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remained what? Steadfast. There's that word again. We consider those blessed who remained steadfast. He said, You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. So he's talking about Job's life, right? And he's saying, you know all that Job went through, and in the midst of that, he stayed steadfast, right? In the midst of that. And so the purpose of the Lord could be worked out in his life. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. A lot of people look at Job's story and say, well, it doesn't look like God's very compassionate and merciful, right? Look at all that he had to go through. But yet he was steadfast, and the purpose of the Lord came about in his life. And so we need to understand tonight that every trial and every testing, God wounds his children only to heal them. He brings us low only to raise us up. And so the fire of suffering, it exists to refine us. I came across the words of this powerful hymn a few years back, and I love these words. It says, when through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only designed thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. In other words, in the midst of that, I'm refining you. And the refining process is producing so much in us, and, and, and much of it will only be seen from eternity. But the one thing that James points out to, again, is that word steadfastness. Some translations use endurance or patience. Steadfastness is so key in our Christian life because it allows us to, to bear up under burdens. It allows us, in the midst of difficult times, to to turn our hearts towards heaven and continue to press on toward eternal life. James 5.10 says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, 
take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. All right? He's saying, here's an, an example of what it means to be steadfast. Steadfast Christians, hear me, are those who no longer fear the flames because they know that their Lord walks with them. There is, we sing it, another in the fire. And church, I, I believe there's more tribulation on the horizon. Encouraging word for tonight, right? But God's working in it. And, and I see how he's refining his church. And I, and I see what he's doing in your lives. He's working through this to make us steadfast so that we will not be afraid, so that we can walk through the wilderness of affliction without fainting, so that we can suffer without stumbling. And out of the pain of our trials, we can be assured that God produces perseverance. The flames of our suffering create steadfastness. Again, if you and I can grab a hold of that promise, then we have not only strength to endure our suffering, but we can trace a line from our current pain to a future perseverance, right? And because of that, we can find ourselves counting the trials of life as joy. Now, don't get me wrong. It's, it's not a simple joy. It's a complex joy, right? It's a joy that's sometimes mixed with fears. It's a joy that's sometimes mixed with sorrow, right? Like those things are a part of this joy. Second Corinthians 6, 8, Paul says this, we are treated as imposters and yet are true, right? He's saying they're calling us fakes, but we're true. As unknown and yet we're well known. As dying and behold, we live. As punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Wow. All those contradictions in the kingdom, right? Treated as, as, as if we're not real, but we're true, right? Treated as unknown, and yet, God, you know us, right? Treated as we have nothing, but man, we possess everything. As sorrowful, though, I go through this, what a contradiction. As sorrowful, and yet always rejoicing. What's Paul talking about there? He's talking about a different kind of joy that can only come from the man of sorrows. And if that sorrow comes from him, understand this, it will return to him one day on the other side of these flames. On the other side of this suffering, that we will be, as verse says, verse 4 says, we're going to be complete, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. But in order to get to that place, we need to recognize our suffering and what it's for, right? Hear me, our suffering is not a, a thief to steal away 2022, <laughs> right? My whole year, oh, I suffered. It was a horrible year. Let me get to 2020. Sometimes we go into the new year like that, right? Like, oh, the whole last year was horrible. Let me get to 2023 and it's going to be better. Listen, don't let suffering steal away your years because this year, even if it was difficult, could have been one of the best years of your life. If you can look back on January 1st and say, man, I'm not the same person I was a year ago. God used the trials. He used the suffering to refine you, right? Suffering is not a thief to steal away days from our life. No, suffering is a servant from God, and it's been sent to us to make us steadfast. Our faith tomorrow will endure because of the trials of today. Our ability to endure to the end is actually strengthened by the trials that we face today. I heard John Piper give this illustration, and it really drives the point home. And I want you to hear this, and we're going to, after that, close with a song tonight. Maybe we could sing that last one. We sang one more time with the worship team. I think we need to sing in the middle of the storm one more time. But listen to this illustration. I love this. He says, suppose that there was a runner who loved flowers. 
Here he is running along at the head of the pack when all of a sudden he's carried away by the beauty of a rose garden beside Lake Calhoun. Forgetting the race and the reward of the reef, he starts to leave the road and smell the flowers. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, bam, someone smacks him flat on his back. It hurts so bad that his nose for roses is gone. But suddenly he realizes that the race is still on and only those who finish get a prize. And he's up and he's running. And if this happens several times, some clever sports writer might write an article and say, hey, Rose Lover, count it all joy when you get knocked down because it produces endurance, right? The only runner in the marathon who finished the race because some fan kept knocking him down. When we think of suffering in life, we can wrestle with it, and, and we can think it an odd thing, but maybe it's us as runners who are odd and not God. And could it be that the health and wealth and prosperity gospel of our day is the enemy of faith because it teaches that faith's best friend is actually her enemy? But James says, and let steadfast have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Hear me tonight, God so values our wholehearted faith that he will graciously, if necessary, take everything else in the world away from us that we might be tempted to rely on, even life itself. But here's his aim. It's that we grow deeper and stronger in our confidence that he himself will be all that we ever need. Amen. He wants us to be able to to say with the psalmist, would you stand with me as we prepare to close? Here's what he wants us to be able to say with with a full heart, I believe this. The psalmist said this, Psalm 73, 25. He says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and he's my portion forever. Can you say that tonight? He's the strength of my heart and he's my portion forever. Let's just lift our voice to him one more time. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight. Lord God, we thank you tonight even for the trials of life, Lord God. And Lord, we do pray that you would do something supernatural in us in the midst of these trials. We pray, Lord God, that that we would consider it joy because you're shaping us, you're changing us. Lord God, as difficult as this past year has been, we thank you for it, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that you're changing us, you're making us more like you, and you're refining us by the fire. And so we thank you tonight, Lord, because we know the flames will not consume us. (laughs) Lord, we thank you tonight that you walk with us through this trial. And Lord God, you use it for your good and for your glory. And so we submit to you again tonight. We submit to you again tonight, Lord God, in the midst of the trial that we would consider it all joy, all joy. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus.